All right, well, for those of you <coughs> who were here for the salt meeting, which I think is most of you, we did cover a lot of this with uh, the folks there, trying to get them to uh, head on over to the podcast at least and listen to some of the things that are going on there. But we're going to go into some of the same things, but in a lot more detail here, and there's some things we completely left off that we'll, uh, we'll get into, into this one, including... I think I only gave a couple of names out, but I, uh, I sat down and kind of went through some of the people in the Word of God and figured, all right, from what we tell about them, where would we place them? <laughs> so that's just for you guys here. We didn't, we didn't get into that on, uh, on Sunday. Philippians chapter 3, verse 8. Yet indeed, I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom... I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ. Not everybody gets to this level. For a lot of people, the things we have in this life is everything. And Paul's not talking about flesh things. He's talking about spiritual things. He's talking about things in the flesh. He's talking about whatever it is. I count all things. That again is all things. And count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in Him not having my own righteousness which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith. Now, we already showed, as far as righteousness from the law, I'm the best candidate to get that. But he says, I'd rather wash all that away and go after the righteousness that's, that's of Christ by faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. Those three things are important for us, that I may know him. We need to come to that knowledge of who He is, what He does through us, the power of His resurrection, the power that was involved in resurrecting Jesus. We get to know that power. We can start doing some things in this earth. And the fellowship of His sufferings. Now, those sufferings being conformed to His death, really up to His death. We are not called to suffer what Christ suffered in His death. He did that for us so that we wouldn't have to. We are called to the sufferings of His life. So all his life up to the day of the cross, we are called to have those sufferings, but not the ones on the cross. Those people go out there and nail themselves to the cross. They're just wasting their time. Besides that, they may be able to nail themselves to a cross. They cannot put the sin of the whole world upon them or have the Father forsake them. It's impossible for us to go through the sufferings that he did in his death. But you're not supposed to. <laughs> Glory to God for that. If by any means I may, I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. And if you're here last week or went through the podcast, you understand that word for resurrection is just slightly different. It has the word ek in front of it. It is out resurrection. And what Paul is talking about is there is a group from the resurrection of the dead that will be pulled out and separated. And he wants to be among that. He says, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. So Paul has taken the gospel to countless countries countless uh, continents, started churches all over the globe. Demon spirits cast out, sick bodies made well, even lame, raised up, goes out in boldness, has been beaten for the, the, uh, the, the gospel, is so well known that Satan himself has assigned a messenger to him. One that just follows Paul around. And... It was quite obnoxious. Paul asked for it to be removed, and God said, no. 
How would you like to be on that, that list? We need to have somebody who just covers this guy. And he's still saying, I hope I can attain that certain group. Not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Now, that word for attain is not a very complicated word. It's not a very insightful word. It is used most times in the Word of God for things when I came to Ephesus. That's the word that's used. When I came to Ephesus. Ephesus. In other words, I'm on my way and then I attained it. I'm there. So he's saying, I want to come to this place, but I haven't gotten there yet. I'm still on the way. There's one other place in Ephesians, and I wrote it down and didn't bring it over for me, so we'll look at that another time. That's the only place that really uses it the way Paul is using it here in this kind of uh, attaining. But here's the, uh, the levels we give you. And I put in here possible levels in our walk. Again, there's no real scriptural backing for all this. This is just as I sit down and meditate on it. This is the levels that I see and the things that uh, change in Christians and their walk. So I put in there possible levels in our walk. First off, we talked about was the rookie or the novice. And just in case you didn't get all these on the Sunday, I wrote them all in there for you. Ruled by feelings. Whatever they feel, that's what they're doing. If I like you, if I feel like I like you, then I will love you with the love of Christ. If I don't feel like I like you, like you then tough beans. You're ruled by feelings. Uh, Short-term decisions are not lasting. They make a decision, but it's a short-term one. I'm going to do this forever. And a week later, they stopped. <laughs> you know, they're, they're kids. You know, little kids say things. And, uh, you know, you, moms and dads are always saying, you, you won't ever move out, will you? Nope, 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 I'll stay. Because <laughs> we want them to stay forever. I'll tell you, it's traumatic when they, when they leave. Little girl is getting all that, those questions. She's very, very firm. I'll never get married. <laughs> And I'll never leave. And I know she means it. Yeah. For now. <laughs> Those short-term decisions are not lasting. Uh, excitement does not endure. And they are easily distracted. Easily distracted. You can't keep them on point. They're always being uh, taken off. Uh, routine. Routine helps keep feelings in check. We're not overcoming them, but we're helping keep them in check. The spirit becomes empowered because you have a routine. You have a, uh, I do the word of God. I study the word of God here. I read the word of God here. I pray here. I meditate on the word of God here. I'm, I'm getting on the routine about my confession, the things that come out of my mouth. So my spirit is being empowered. There's a tendency toward a legalistic view of the routine. Uh, view of routine blocks dependency on the leaning about the Holy Spirit's. I'm sorry, I think I rewrote Miss. Misdid that one. There's a tendency towards legal, legalistic view because your routine will block your dependency on the Holy Spirit's leaning. That's what it should say. The Holy Spirit could come and say, I need you to do this. No, no, no. This is my routine. Devil, get behind me. This is what I do. And you can't get out of that because you're in the routine. Discipline at this level is starting to be learned. Not in the rookies, but it's starting to be learned here. 
That's different from, I didn't give you that on, on Sunday. Now, that's the entry level. Here's the growth stage. This is the intentional. Differentiates between what is vital, those things that are necessary, and what is important. Because there's a difference between what is vital and what is important. I'll give you a, a case. If you were on a deserted island, it is vital that you drink water. It is vital that you breathe air. However, food is important. Because you can live a little while without food. Not so much without the water and the air. Air, of course, minutes, water, a couple of days, uh, food. Depends on who you are. You know, week, two weeks, three weeks. Whatever that might be. Anybody ever watch that show Lost? I got caught up in that with watching that for a while. I was really disappointed how it ended. But they had this one guy, this one character on there. Um, I forget his name. Huge, huge guy. And they're, here, they're on the island. You know, there's very little food. They're rushing at the food and stuff. He never lost any weight. <laughs> never lost any weight. <laughs> and so they actually brought it up in the show. He says, how is it you haven't? <laughs> well, the truth was he wasn't dieting in the, in the natural. And so in the real life, so in the show, he stayed the same size. Differentiates between what is vital, necessary, and what is important. Dependency on the Holy Spirit. At this level, you're learning it. You're not so much hooked on that routine. If the Holy Spirit wants to say, stay longer in prayer, you'll stay longer in prayer. If the Holy Spirit says, study this over here, you'll go and you study this over here, even though, well, this is what I'm supposed to read. You're alerted to what is ahead and prepare, and prepare for it. Uh, discipline is in greater practice. You've learned some things about discipline in the previous days. Now you're actually putting some things about discipline into practice. And so you can do some things in that and you're, you're seeing some, some real growth in this area. This is an area where you're, you're growing. Spiritually speaking, you're growing more if you hit this spot. Now we get into what I put under here is production. Not only are you growing and you will continue to grow in all these things, but you are now producing for the kingdom. The elite, we are equated these to the 300 of David's men. Out of all the hundreds of thousands that he had, there were 300 that rose to the top. Selfishness is virtually eliminated. You hit a level of sold out not known before. You are always mindful of the kingdom of God. Love walk at a high level. You didn't even know this level existed. But you're finding that there's a, there's a high level that is, that is there. No matter what you do, there's always a, an ability to hit a higher level. But sometimes we can't even see that level at where, where we're at. And until you get into it further, you, you just can't, you can't describe it. You can't see it. You can't tell anybody else about it once you see it because they have no point of reference to it. They just can't, uh, can't come, to that, come to that place. It's very difficult to offend. You are in this elite area. Not impossible, but it's very difficult to offend. If you are easily offended, you are not in this stage. It is very hard to it. You, you're just not distracted by it. They can say all manner of things to you. You're just not, uh, you're not bothered by it. 
Very difficult to offend. Discipline is now just a decision. You, you learned it before. You got it into practice before that, uh, after that. And now all you need to do as far as discipline is concerned is decide, I'm going to get up at 5 o'clock every morning. That's it. You don't have to wake up at 5 o'clock and talk yourself into it. <laughs> you have decided that at 5 o'clock I am up. And because of that simple decision, at 5 o'clock you were up. Because you made the decision. That's all that discipline is anymore. It is just a decision. You decide to do something. I will, and you say what it is, and that's it. It's done. I will get it done. Uh, constantly training for battle or service. You are constantly in tra training for this. You're not waiting for the battle to come up. You are constantly training. You're always thinking battle. You're always thinking service. What am I doing to get myself ready? Am I ready now? Constantly in the ready mode at this spot. Now, how about some people who were in this, this spot? I have a, a number of names. I gave, gave you a blank, some blank space there so that you could uh, write these in if you want to. But here's the elite. <clears throat> First one I had in my list for this was Jacob, Israel. As, as one of these. He sure didn't start out. Can you see how early on, boy, he was just messed up with his feelings. He was messed up with all kinds of distractions and things. But he did get himself to that spot to even where the end, where he was hearing things from God. And Joseph said, no, no, no. You got the wrong hand on the wrong son. He too will be a great one. But God has shown me. See, he was able to, to speak that, past that. Now, I don't have him in the next level. I don't think he qualifies for the next level. But I think he does qualify for this one. Uh, Silas. I put Silas in this, in this level. Selfishness virtually eliminated. Very, very disciplined. All you got to do is make a decision. Love walk at a high level. Very difficult to offend. I see Silas very much in this. There's reasons why I don't see Silas going beyond this, but... I, don't, I, I see him there. Barnabas, I put in this, this category. Barnabas, I put a question mark by. Maybe Paul, we, don't, we didn't have a whole lot on Barnabas. Paul kind of took the show. Mm -hmm. But we know that initially Barnabas was, it was Barnabas and Saul, or Barnabas and, and Paul, and then eventually became Paul and Barnabas. So there had to be something there that was, that was going on with, with him to take him to that spot. But uh, I put him in here in the elite. I mean, don't, under, don't underestimate. This elite is good. Elite is good. You're talking the top 300 out of a couple hundred thousand in David's, David's group. That's, that's good. Uh, I put Stephen in this category. I think Stephen would have soared a whole lot sooner or, or gone a whole lot further. But he went from pretty much nobody to an elite person in the kingdom of God in a very short period of time. And if they had not stoned him, I think he would have kept on going. I wonder where Stephen would have gone to. I put James in this category. James certainly overcame a lot of things. James still had some things holding him back. Titus. John Mark. I put a question mark on that. I think he got into this category. I'm not totally positive he got out of the other category into this one. But it sure seems like he probably got in there. I mean, Paul's mentioning him and bring, bring him along. He's some use for me. 
So I think, you know, Paul's not bringing around any, any slouches. I think he eventually got to that spot where he was, he was in this, this group of people. But I put him as a question mark. Uh, maybe he didn't quite make it in this level. Some of the other ones, like Stephen, maybe they got beyond this level, but I'm pretty sure that they were in there. And Again, we're just going with what we have in, in there, and it's just, it's just a kind of a feeling on my part. And then I just put in this, how many of the disciples were in this uh, category? Because we don't have a whole lot on them in the Word of God. But how many? We all know every single one of them died for the cause. Except for John. Every, every single one of them died for the cause. That's, um, I don't know that you can die for the cause in the intermediate level. I don't know. You, might, you probably potentially can there, but he died for the cause. Every single one of them. So I put in there, so how many of the disciples? Now some of them may have even gone beyond this level and who knows. But let's go on to the next one, the select group. This is the 30 the 30. I was uh, reading some things on this, and I had never noticed this before. But you know, when the Word of God, between the two, uh, the, the book of Samuel and the book of Chronicles, between the two, when you can compile the 30, there's actually 37. <laughs> now, the possibilities for that is that the 30 does not contain the upper three. But then beside the upper three, there's also another group of three. So that would be 36 right there. So not sure exactly what the, that is. I would have thought that the 30 contained all the threes, but maybe not. So we put in there all of the above, everything that the elite have, but you amplify it. I don't just mean, you know, tweak it. And we're talking amplify. Talking, you take it, put it, run it through the amps and put it up 100%. You are amplifying this thing with a, they, they took every single one of those things that the previous ones had and they moved it up. It seems like they walk in constant touch of the Holy Spirit. They just seem to be constantly in touch with the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> These that hit this level are trusted with great revelation. The people that were at this level were trusted with great revelation. I don't just mean they had revelation. I mean they had great revelation. Take a look at some of these in here. Abraham. No, I did not put Abraham in the next group. And I'll show you why. Now, you, you know, I'll tell you the reasons for it, and then you can agree or disagree. Because, again, it's not like the Bible's coming out here and telling us all these things. I'm trying to tell you this. is just I just sit back, meditate on this thing, and, and, uh, and, and think on it. But Abraham would be in this particular category. Was he trusted with great revelation? There weren't too many that had the revelation of God that he had. Enoch. No way. <laughs> the revelations of Enoch, if you, have, if you have ever gotten a hold of the book of Enoch, this man had some great revelation of the future. He was trusted with some, He doesn't have a book that's in the Bible, but he does have a book that he wrote of the revelations that he got, and he got some humdingers. They did come true. Joshua. Joshua would be in this category. No, Joshua is not in the upper three, in the, in the next group up. And you'll see why. We'll show you some of the reasons for why. Joshua, though, had great revelation. Yes, he did. 
They had revelation on how to attack, how to, how to, how to go. His discipline was incredible. Can you imagine being on the side of the mountain when you are in charge of the army, hearing the sound of war and staying there because Moses said stay? That is taking discipline to a whole nother level. He was, uh, he was something else. But there are some things that are missing that keeps them from going into the other category. Joseph. Joseph. Very much in the revelations he got in the dreams. The revelations he got for other people. The discipline that he had. The wisdom of God that came to him. Jeremiah. Jeremiah had great revelation from God. Prophecies. Things along those, those lines. Ezekiel. Boy, the revelations he got still astound people. To the point that they, can't, they do not believe that Ezekiel is an actual book of prophecy. They believe it's in a, more of a historic account. Daniel. Absolutely, he's in there. Great revelation came to that man. Now, this one might throw you a little bit. John. John the disciple, apostle. The one who got the book of Revelation. The one that Jesus loved. He d- I do not see him ascending to the top list. But I do see him ascending to this one. Philip. Philip, I put a question mark by, possibly moving into the next group. But I left them down in here. Just because I didn't quite see enough of the, 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 the next area. Timothy. Did not make the first group. Now, he had great revelation because he was teaching one of the most mature churches in the ancient world. Luke. Despite what people tell you, Paul did not write most of the New Testament. The author who wrote more New Testament than anyone else is Luke, a Gentile. Aggravates me every time I hear people talk about Paul who wrote over half the New Testament. He did not write over half of the New Testament, nor did Luke. They didn't write over half the New Testament either. But Luke wrote more than than Paul did and had revelation. He's one I kind of, he, he, I could put him in the category down below too, but I left him up in, up in here. All right, here's our final one. The special select. This is the three. This is the guys that set themselves above everything else. Because obviously you're taking everything that happened before and you're amplifying this. They can get in the spirit instantly. In the spirit, I mean instantly. If you, you've got a problem, Instantly, they're there. Moses, instantly. He is in there. Elijah, instantly in the realm of the Spirit. When he needed to be, bang, he's in there. Paul certainly is one. I have a fourth on here. Paul certainly is one. Here's the fourth one. Peter. I think Peter made the top. And here's why. Because in this special group, there is one factor that is true with them that is not true with any of the others. 
and that is they are trusted with great power. Not They had revelation before the others, but now it seems like their ministry is defined more by the power of it than the revelation of it. Mm-hmm. And the power in these particular ones is astounding mm-hmm. in the things that are done through them. Moses, Elijah, Peter. Peter walks along and his shadow touches people and they're healed. How is that not astounding? Who else did that? The Word of God says that great wonders were done by the hands of the Apostle Paul. There's just a level of power that's associated with them that you do not see with the other ones. Joshua never had the level of power that Moses did. Never came to that, to that level. Never came to that spot where he could get into the Spirit like Moses could get into the Spirit. That's why I didn't put him in that, that upper group. John, great revelation, but we don't really see a whole lot on the power side. There might be there, and maybe it's just not in the Word of God, but it seems to me that this upper level group has things going on in the area of power, that God can trust them with power. Remember in the the two witnesses, when they're having this power, and we know it's Moses and Elijah, when they have this power, it, it says it's at their will. Now, that's a different level. Could you imagine if you walked on this earth and you could bring plagues at any time just because you wanted to? That is, that is some kind of power. Elijah burned up that group. I want them burned up. And because he said burn them up, they got burned up. And because he said to the third group, no, nope, we won't burn them up. They didn't get burned up. And when Elijah came out and said, there will be no rain, what did he say? There will be no rain except that my word. These guys have a level of power that they tap into, and you don't just get there as a novice. God's not given this kind of power, but you hit this certain level, and God just seems to say, you know what? You got a handle. You, you know what to do with this. Here's the power. As you discern it's necessary. That is some kind of, wow. And I don't know, too. I can't, I thought, I pondered. I can't think of another one to add to the list outside of Jesus, of course. You could always put him in the, in the list. But outside of that, I couldn't think of another one to add. There might be. But this is a small list. Now, in thinking about this, there was, a, there was a time I was sitting down and doing some things and didn't make my notes. I just kind of have it uh, handwritten. When we, the, the whole thing we're thinking about here is you've got to think special forces people. There is a different mentality. Not everyone becomes a SEAL. I think I heard the, the stats, something like that, only like 1% of the people in the country could even qualify. And out of that, most of them don't want to do it. So you have to qualify and want to do it. Very few people can become a SEAL. The whole thing is set up so that you don't make it. I mean, that's amazing. They need them, but they set it up so that you won't make it. Because they're trying to weed out a certain thing. So I I sat down and I pondered on this and and just wrote some things. 
about this. And I put this in your outline this way. Mission mode. What is mission mode? Because I'll tell you what, folks. <laughs> people that are Navy SEALs, people that are Army Rangers, people that are in those elite, the Green Berets, you know, groups like, like that, uh, they have a different way of taking on a mission than most of us do. I include myself in that. I am not a SEAL. But I love watching them. And one of my favorite shows, probably my all-time favorite show on TV, it's right up there with Star Trek. I mean, Star Trek is one. It's right up there with that. But I'll tell you what, sometimes I can watch reruns of this show easier than I can watch reruns of Star Trek. It's just, oh, it just gets me. You know what it is? No. Yep. What? <laughs> what? <laughs> no, Jag. Oh, I love that show, Jag. Oh, discipline, focus. Oh, I. Mm. But Admiral Chegwigan, he's a SEAL. He's got a different way of doing things. So I just wrote down, and I'm thinking Special Forces people and all the things I've watched about Special Forces people. And you tell me if this is not right, and then you tell me how much of this agrees with the Word of God. Qualities of a person of a special forces person on a mission. First off, they are untangled with the world, with the world. Totally untangled with the world. What I mean by that is this: if you got somebody who is part of the SEAL team, or for those of you who are fans of the unit, and we we, we watch that. Um, when a special assignment came down and they said, we're airborne in 15 minutes, they all have go bags. Go bag is always ready. And they head on home and they grab the go bag. Not a single one of them ever says, but I have this going on tomorrow. They never say it. They never talk about, well, my wife was planning a special dinner. I need to take the kids to the school tomorrow. You have nothing like that. When they say we're airborne in 15 minutes, every single person on the team says, okay. Not a single complaint. That's, that's just it. Now you talk about Christian. When God says, I need you to go over here and do this, what do, they, what do we say? <laughs> well, you know, <laughs> I have this over here and I don't really want to do that. No complaints and grumbling. When was the last time you saw anybody on the special forces team who complained and grumbled about the assignment? Who complained and grumbled about the way the commander gave an order? Who complained and grumbled and said, I don't want to be at that spot? Who complained and grumbled and said, I didn't want to go in there first? Who complained and grumbled and said, you know, it's muddy. I just washed this suit. <laughs> These boots are new. <laughs> right? What would you do if you ever watched one of these Special Forces movies, one of these Special Forces TV shows, and they say something like that? That's not going to happen, is it? It's, it's not going on. See, this is a different mentality they have. Uh, no, uh, the commander says, you know, you can, you can um, imagine the, the unit if you watch that TV show, and uh, uh, Dennis um, he was he was great as a leader in this thing. I just absolutely loved him. If he had came out and he said to the one guy, you, you're up there. 
well, you know, I think it would be better if I was. <laughs> they don't ever do that, do they? They never do that. If you say I'm up there, I'm up there. If you say I'm going in first, I'm going in first. Whatever it is that he says, they do. They don't argue it. They don't debate it. They don't say, no, I'm always the guy who has to be the shooter. Let somebody else be the shooter. I want to be. You don't have that. I love this. People on special forces, you tell them something once. And you don't have to tell you again tomorrow or the day after that or a week later or a month later and no one expects to say it again. Say it one time. They've learned submission. They care for the team and the mission. They don't care about other stuff. They care about the team and the mission. They are sold out. These guys, there is no room for I can't. You will never hear a special forces, all the shows that you watch, you will never hear a special forces person say, if Dennis says, uh, do this, you'll never hear, I can't. You won't hear it. It doesn't come out of their mouth. They go over there and they find a way to get it done. It's just a mentality that's, that's there. They are fearless, brave, and tenacious. I love this one when it came to me intentionally strong. They're not strong by accident. They're strong because it's intentional. They're not ruled by feelings. Could you imagine anyone on a special forces team who's ruled by feelings? Who has any problem with feelings? You know, Dennis is up there and he gives a, he sees two people just uh, having a heated, what's going on? Well, he just, he it's not happening. They are, they are on mission or on mission. They cannot be, and I, well, I'll tell you what, I wish we could get this down because when you watch these guys in a day-to-day life, they're one way. A little bit more, you know, maybe they might get offended on something. Maybe they might be uh, thinking about something else. But on mission, when they go on mission, they have a mission mode. They cannot be offended, distracted, or selfish. When a special forces person is is in mission mode and on mission, they cannot be offended, distracted, or in any way selfish. They have this mode they can put themselves in. And everything else is blocked out. When they're on mission mode, no one ever says, Hey, been at this for eight hours. I deserve a 15-minute break. No one ever says that, do they? Nobody ever says, Hey, are you going to feed us? I didn't sign up for this. We've been at this for 20 hours. I want to go home. You stay until the mission is done. That's all there is to it. If you're up 24 hours, if you're up 36 hours, you stay until the mission is done. There's a mission mode they go into. They are risk takers. And they take risks effortlessly, seemingly. They just do it. They are willing to die for the cause. They develop their skills during downtime. 
These are things that are characteristics of people that are on special forces. You think God has his special forces? According to Paul, yes. There's a select group that is there. But most of us don't have special forces mentality. We don't have a mission mode. We don't have that place, that, that switch we can flip to get the thing done. I put this in your outline for you. Your spiritual walk will, de- will determine your spiritual work. So how you are in your walk, whether you're a rookie, whether you're a, a routine person, whether you, whatever level you're at, it will de- determine the work that you do for God. Now, here's the, the thing. We covered a little bit of this, but we didn't get into the upper levels of it. When you're in rookie mode, that's your level, you, have, you are indifferent to assignments. You'll take them, ah, you know, that's, somebody gave me an assignment, it's no big deal. From there, I'll do it. If not, you know, I'm supposed to be an usher. Yeah, I feel like it. No, not really. Kind of woke up this morning, throat's a little sore. Maybe I'll stay back. Woke up this morning, went downstairs, there was no coffee. I've, they don't want me at church when I haven't had my coffee. So I just, I know that they're counting on me to be a greeter or be on the worship team or whatever it might be, but eh, they'll get along without me. See, we don't have that, that mode going on. We may begin excited, but it can be easily, the excitement can be easily killed or distracted. Folks who move into the routine area, they are diligent until something comes up. Something greater than their level of commitment. Or they face too difficult a difficulty, or too much difficulty. And this is hard. I can't believe how hard this is. This was not supposed to be this hard. I can't believe how many people are mad at me for what it is I'm trying to do. You know, special forces people, not only are people mad at them for what they're trying to do, they are shooting at them and trying to kill them. And they still go out there to get it done. They begin to see what needs to be done, but not do, but but do constantly pick up what they should not do. In other words, it's, it's this way: I'm, I'm beginning to develop an eye. You've ever developed an eye where you can see something that needs to be done, and so you just go on over there and you do it, not thinking about the implications of that. Now think of it this way: uh, Dennis is he's head of the unit. And uh, one, I don't know the other guys. It's been too long since I've seen the, the, the show. But one of the other guys sees somebody on base and thinks, you know what? I think they'd be a great candidate to be on the unit. And they begin to approach them and they say, oh, you know, we need more people on the team. How would you like to be on our team? Now, how is Dennis going to take that? <laughs> That's not going to go over too well. You see, we, we have to d- determine what it is that I should do what it is that I am allowed to do, what it is I need to be hands off. That's not mine. That's not mine. Now, here's a special forces person. Say that you are, you are given, I want you, your job is to secure this door, to secure this entryway. And you're doing that, and all of a sudden something happens over here, and they, I wonder if so-and-so, I wonder if he's having trouble getting that other door. Maybe I ought to go over and help him because there's something that needs to be done, and I'll go on and, and no, what are you supposed to do? This is my door. This is my door. I'm not being distracted. I am watching this door. No one's coming out of this door. This is my door. I am protecting this door. Until Dennis calls over and says, need you on the other door. 
then you go. But you see, you develop that ability. Most Christians don't have that ability. We get distracted by all the things that are going on. Sometimes we're not supposed to be even pulled into that. But we, have, we, don't, we don't know it. Intentional. We'll overcome many distractions and problems. Need some encouragement to continue. Now, the other ones, we don't even talk about encouragement because if you don't encourage them, they aren't, they aren't going to go on. You pretty much got to tell them every time, oh, you did such a good job today. Mm-hmm. Oh, man, that was, that was just wonderful. Right? Uh, here at this level, you still need some. You don't need it a whole lot. You don't need it all the time, but you need some. They can get pulled out by what they feel or hear in the spirit or the direction they feel God wants to go. In other words, we're going along this way and we're going along. All of a sudden, no, I don't feel that God's doing that. I don't feel that God wants us to go in this direction. Now, now picture this. Here's Dennis. He's in charge of the team. And uh, give me a name of one of the guys. I need a name. I need one of the other guys. Hammerhead. All right, we'll do Mac. Mac is quick. We got, we got Mac over there. Mac, is, he, Mac gets an order from Dennis. And Dennis says, uh, it's from top. All right. So, so he, gets a, he gets an order from him. And, and Mac says, you know what? I'm not feeling, I don't, I don't think we ought to do it that way. What happens? He might be off the team. Yeah, he might just shoot him right there. <laughs> just, we, don't, we don't tolerate that. But you see, in the Christian circles, we don't have that mentality. They have a better mentality of this in special forces to do human things than we have for doing godly things. And don't think we are not in a battle. We are very much in a battle. But our mindset is not that of a, of a battle. Learning to limit what they pick up on their own and stay in their lane better. Not saying they're good. They're, they're always good at it, but they're staying in their lane better than they did before. Now, once you get into the elite group here, these guys, they take assignments as given. You give them the assignment, they just take it. They question to understand, not to alter. All right, so you want to do it, and how do you want, and because I'm trying to understand fully exactly what I'm supposed to do, so when I get out there, I'm, I'm clear. Only need to hear something once. Are always attentive and listening. Very little stops them. And they are zeroed in on their assignment. You give them that assignment, I'm zeroed in. This is my assignment and I will do this and I will not be distracted. And you can count on me that I will have this thing done. See, they don't talk themselves out saying it's not important. What if the sniper, guy in the sniper position says, you know what? The last 10 assignments I've been put in a sniper position and I haven't had to do a thing. Just sit up here, and all these guys are taking the risk. I want to take some risk too. Can I, I? I want to do something else. I don't want to do this anymore. They don't do it. They head up there. They get in their hideaway, and they be the sniper. The select group. They seek to understand purpose, and they seek to understand purpose, and they fulfill it. So if the the mission goes haywire, I am so clear on the purpose that I can still get this thing done according to the purpose, even if I can't use the exact method that we had planned out. That's how good these guys are. Overcomes every obstacle in the way. Every one. There's nothing that stops them. 
They overcome every obstacle. The power of God working through them is greater than those around. There is power working through these guys in the in this realm of the Spirit. And it's greater than the people that are around them. That's in the select group. Now, before we get to the special select group, I want to read something to you. This comes from 2 Samuel chapter 23, verse 8. These are the names of mighty men whom David had. Joshib, Bathshebeth of Tachmanite, uh, the Tachmanite, chief among the captains. He was called Adino the Esnite because he had killed 800 men at one time. This is not how many he killed in his lifetime as a soldier. This is how many he killed in one time. Now think about this. 800 men against one. And he wins. Is that not a level of power that most people do not come to? That to me is just astounding. And after him was Eleazar, the son of Dodo, the the Ahoite, one of the three mighty men with David when they defied the Philistines who were gathered there for battle. And the men of Israel had retreated. He arose. And attacked the Philistines until his hand was weary and his hand stuck to the sword. The Lord brought about a great victory that day and the people returned after him only the thunder. I think in another passage when it describes this, probably the Chronicles one, it says you couldn't tell where his hand stopped and the sword began because it was so covered with blood and flesh. That's what it's talking about. It's not talking about his hand melted with the sword. It's talking about he had killed so many people. He was so covered with blood and flesh that you couldn't tell where his hand stopped and the sword began. So here's the picture. The entire army flees except him. The Philistine army continues to come on. And by the time he is done with the entire Philistine army at that spot, there is no Philistine army left and all the guys that retreated Come and all they have to do, all that's left to do is pick up the spoil. He has killed every soldier. That's what this guy did to be one of the three. That's pretty amazing, isn't it? And after him was Shammah, the son of Agi, the Herite. Herite. The Philistines had gathered together in a troop and there was a piece of ground full of lentils and the people fled from the Philistines but he stationed himself in the middle of the field not hiding behind anything. Stationed in the middle of the field defended it and killed the Philistines. That's just... He's not hiding behind a barricade. He is out in the middle of a field. That is fearlessness right there. Come get me. They got archers. They got guys who throw spears. Guys who throw rocks. All these things are coming at him. And he stands right there and defeats them. That is a level of power. A level of dedication. A level of focus. We were, we were supposed to defend this. I was told to defend this. I'm staying right here. I don't care the rest of you guys go. I'm staying right here. I'm defending this field. They are not getting through me. Can you get that mentality? Paul in in the Philippians is telling us, I am am trying to attain that mentality. 
in the area of the kingdom. I want to be among that special group of people. Then three of the thirty chief men went down at harvest time and came to David at the cave of Adullam, and the troop of Philistines encamped in the valley of Herphaim. David was then in the stronghold, and the garrison of the Philistines was then in Bethlehem. And David said with longing, Oh, that someone would give me a drink of water from the well of Bethlehem, which is by the gate. So the three men broke through the camp of the Philistines, drew water from the well of water of Bethlehem that was by the gate, and took it and brought it to David. Nevertheless, he would not drink it, but poured it out to the Lord. So they heard from the boss, Boy, I would like to get some of that water. And so they said, We can do it. We can, three guys, we're going to break through the garrison of the Philistines. We're going to go over to the well. We're going to pull some of that water up and we're going to get back out. They, they think this is their mentality. Oh, we can do this. We can do this for a thing of water. That's it. You said, far be it from me, O Lord, that I should do this. Is this not the blood of the men who, are, who went in jeopardy of their lives? Therefore, he would not drink it. These things were done by the three mighty men. Now, Abishai, the brother of Joab, the son of Zeruiah, was chief of another three. He lifted his spear against 300 men, killed them, and won a name among these three. Was he not the most honored of, the, of three? Therefore, he became their captain. However, he did not attain to the first three. But he's in the second group of three. He lifted his spear. We're not talking sword. We're talking spear. There's a whole different fighting technique with a spear than there is with a sword. And he killed 300 men with the spear. Beniah was the son of Jehoiada, the son of a valiant man from Kabzeel, who had done many deeds. He had killed two lion-like heroes of Moab, he also had gone down and killed a lion in the midst of a pit on a snowy day. We talked about this before. Going by on a pit, snowy day, lion got stuck. He says, you know what? I'm going to go down there and kill it. He's, the lion's down in the pit. He's not getting out. Just down there in the pit. He says, you know what, lion? You can't come up to me, but I can come down to you. I'm going to come down to you, and I'm going to kill you. And then I'm just going to go about my, my way. That's a risk taker right there. That's just his mentality. And he killed an Egyptian, a spectacular man. The, the Egyptian had a spear in his hand, so he went down to him with a staff, wrested the spear out of the Egyptian's hand and killed him with his own spear. You know, you saw that you got a spear. I don't have much over here. I'm going to go over there and take that spear and kill you with it. These things Benaniah, the son of Jehoiada, did and won a name among three mighty men. And he was more honored than the 30, but he did not attain to the first three. And David appointed him over his guard. So I just wanted to read that to you before we get into these these last, these last things. Here we're talking about the select, this uh, very select group right here. I put them in there as special select. The biggest difference here is the amount of power needed, to util needed and utilized to accomplish the call or assignment. That's the biggest difference here. The people that are in this group, they need a certain level of power and they utilize a certain level of power to complete their call or their assignment. Assignments they accept as normal would terrify most. Think about this. Elijah, I want you to go and appear to the king who wants to kill you. I want you to go into his stronghold amongst his army. I want you to go right in the midst of it. 
And I want you to proclaim the word that I have for him, which is not a good word. He's not going to like it. So I want you to go to the man who wants to kill you, who has the means all around you to kill you. And I want you to walk in there. I want you to proclaim the word. I want you to leave. Okay. And he does it. I mean, that's just, that's just astounding. Most people, the assignments that these guys take, would terrify you. Now, Moses, it did terrify him. He says, I'm not going to go down there and do that. But then God would, God raised him up and he, he hit that level. And God says, go to Pharaoh and say this to him. Okay. And he goes and does it. The more elite you go, the more you can. I made this list here. You don't have to write anything down. The more you can rule over your flesh and feelings, the more elite you go, progressively, the more you get further on down, the more you forego your opinion without losing yourself. There's some people who can forego their opinion, but they lose themselves in it. You can maintain your, your individual identity and still forego your opinion. That's for the elite to be able to do that. They operate in the chain of command. They believe, I can do all things. They take that to a level that most people do not eat, can't even comprehend. We say, I can do all things. Yeah, I can get this raise. No, I can do all things. I can slaughter 800 people at one time. I can take on an entire army coming at me. No problem. Oh, I didn't think about doing this, but where, where would you put Jonathan? Jonathan did this one time. He took on the whole Philistine army. Everybody else wanted to go away. And he said, no, no, no. Let's go out here. Armor bearer, come on. Let's go take on this battle. God was fearless. He, just, he would have made an excellent king. I tell you, he, he's got to be up there on that list. They stay on mission and assignment. And the further up you get, the harder it is to pull you off of your mission and your assignment. No matter what people, everybody can hate you. Moses, two to four million people at your door saying, we want you to die. And we want to have a hand in doing it. And he does not get off mission. Tell you what, I think, sometimes think about that. I sometimes struggle with 10 or 20 people complaining. <laughs> right? The further up you go in this list, the more you will remain without offense. It is impossible for you to be offended. You will love in a way that supersedes the character of the recipient. Very often, when the further we are down on this, the more the character of the person we are supposed to love hinders us from walking in the kind of level we're supposed to. But the more we walk into the elite, it doesn't matter what they do, because I can have two to four million people who will rise up to try and kill me, and I'll still get on my knees and intercede with my own life to keep them alive. That is a person who is not offended. I'm not saying not easily offended. I'm saying Moses was a person who was not offendable. If you could not offend him with all the things that the children of Israel did, he is not offendable. Elijah got offended once when he was in these, these levels. He got out of it. But he did get offended once. And, it, and if, oh, I tell you, we can do a whole study on that. The one time he got offended, he lost everything. The weight of this call 
came on him. He despaired of life. He despaired of everything because that's how heavy this was. If he took on that offense, he could not stand. That's how vital it was. And he, he got out of it and he got back and that offense was gone. They take risks asked of them. These guys will take risks that are asked of them. See, right now, the lower we are in the, the kingdom, God can ask us to do things, but when we'll do it as long as there's not a risk to it. But the more elite we get, the more we'll say, give it to me. I'll take it. Can you see we have some room to grow in the mentality of the things of God? We've got to look at these guys that are out there. There are some people that are out there. You do some thinking on it. I don't, I don't know who to put out there beside Moses, Elijah. You cannot put Elisha in that top list. Elisha would not qualify for that top list. Absolutely positive. From all we read about Elisha, Elisha would probably make the 30. Except I don't see a whole lot of revelation going on in his life. If I saw more revelation, I would probably have written him in with the 30. Didn't see a whole lot of revelation going on. Don't see a whole lot of power. You see some power. You see some revelation. But you don't see the great revelation that, uh, that I, I would like to see for, for that, as I, as I understand this, to, uh, to be going on. So he's at least in the 300. But I don't know if I can put him up above the rest of that. It's possible. But the big things is the revelation for the 30 and the power for the three. Unbelievable power. And Paul says, I am contending for that small group of people that is pulled out of all the group of the resurrection of the dead and set apart, set aside. I am contending for that. It's not something that you just go through life and hope that at the end that he does that. He says, no, I am contending for it. I am working to attain it. When he says, I'm going to Ephesus, he started one step, went two steps, three. He's walking towards Ephesus. He is making direction to Ephesus. And so he uses that word, says, I came to Ephesus. If we are going to go in that direction, we have to take steps to get us in that direction. What is it that we do that we can be doing better, that we can be following this, this list more? Because I'll tell you what, we've got to get this mentality. How many times does Paul talk about the soldier mentality in the, in the Word of God? We do not have a soldier mentality. For most Christians, we have a wimpy mentality. And little tiny things can send us reeling. Well, somebody, well they, they hurt my feelings. Well, they didn't let me sing. You know, it's, it's kind of like when the little kids come to you. You know, he touched me. He played with my toys. And we're thinking, this is not a big deal. But it is for them. We're taking on some things, folks. And God says, this is not a big deal. But it is for us. Because we don't have the mentality yet. that says, we're here to defeat the enemy. We're here to fight for the kingdom. And we just don't have that mentality down. Father, I ask that you help us to get this mentality down on the inside. That, Father, we are soldiers for the king. We are soldiers for the greatest kingdom that has ever been seen. 
And we want to have that soldier mentality. That mentality that says, I can do all things. I am a risk taker. When God says, here's your assignment, I focus on that assignment and no one gets me to stop. No one gets me offended. I focus on that assignment and I get it done. Father, I ask your help to get us to raise up our level that we would, uh, we would see ourselves as being able to go higher in this. Not to stay at the level we are, but to go higher, to get a fence completely gone, to hit a level of sold out we can't even comprehend right now, to walk in a type of love that to now we can't even see. For then, Father, we have those things in place. You can put your power on us and it will not hurt us. But we can use your power for your kingdom. We give you the praise and glory for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Didn't have a whole lot of blanks, but I did have some of them. Did I get them all for you? Any comments? Anything to add? Yeah. A question on two people in particular, like the way you replaced them. All right, let's go. Noah, that's a good one. I didn't even think about him. Noah would certainly walk in the area of Revelation. Uh, I don't know how great the Revelation would be, but it's, it certainly is a, a Revelation. Um, he did have some problems with distractions later on in his life. Uh, he did take a lot of abuse for the hundred years. More than likely took a lot of abuse for, for that and stayed focused. Imagine doing a project for a hundred years for a problem that you've never seen. Yeah, it was a it was a hard time. I'd probably have to put them in the elite group. I don't know that I would go with the group above. Where would you put them? Yeah, the first elite group, not the select or the special. David, yeah, I did leave him off of that. I'm not sure why, because I was thinking about him often. Often, David, um, I think <laughs> David, he was just all over the board. Um, he was. It did seem like he kind of backed off from from that towards the the end, and that can certainly happen. But boy, he was on point. He could not distract him. He was not going to be offended. He just, yeah. Uh, I don't know that I could put put him up in the top group. On the, the next group, David operated in a lot of revelation. He had more revelation on the Messiah and who he was than probably anybody in his day. So I would probably contend and say he was probably in the 30 group. Is that what you're, you're going to put them to? Okay. I have a question. You talked about Elijah being offended. Mm-hmm. Couldn't you also say that Moses was offended? I mean, when he threw the tablets down? Because he was pretty... He yes, was pretty but he was not offended for himself. He was offended no, for God. He was offended for God. And I don't think God ever rebuked him for breaking the tablets. Well, now let's go to the striking of the rock. 
Yeah, I have to wait until I get to heaven on this one, but I contend still that Moses just said, I am tired of this, and I went out. I think it was intentional. I definitely, you know, go, I mean, there is, other than Elijah, in terms of power and dealing with, you know, four million people and, you know, staying the course and whatever. But that one, because, I mean, God says, because you did that, yep. you don't get the promised land. Yeah. I am positive that he was not disappointed yeah, at that. It's like, there is a way out of this. Yeah. So, man, I've been waiting to get out of this thing. And I, I could, not, could not doubt him at all. Okay. Back to David for just a, just a minute. There was a... His power was all in the war area, but certainly it had to be God-given. So I think maybe in, the, in that part he might might be able to contend. It's just that it wasn't the supernatural type of power, but it, but it was as much as the, the other. He was, of the three, as much as those feats were astounding, David was greater in war than all of them. Every single one of them. So whatever feat they had, David had feats that were greater. So, um, but see, I'm not putting those guys in the, in the three either. Because, the, yeah, it's just that he didn't quite get over to that, over that hump. I mean, Samson. Samson operated in a level of anointing in that area that no one operated in. No. No. All you had to do, all you had to do was send the women over there and he's, he's done. Yeah. And that's what you have to remember about this is that in the area, in the, in the kingdom of God, distractions will hold you back from what it is that God wants you to do. And though you could be contending for, and certainly anytime we're in this, you, are, you can see in your own life, all right, I can see myself a lot on this level, but I'm contending. I got some things over here in the higher level working, just not enough that I'm completely over there yet. So I'm not sure that's what David. David probably had some things in there and contending for for some of these, but he's still. This is an anchor. This is this is holding him back into this level. Gideon, yeah, we all know about <laughs> me and Gideon. <laughs> Was Samuel? Samuel operated in great revelation, not great power. I would certainly put him in with the 30. I don't think I can see anything that qualifies him to go into the uh, upper echelon of the, of the three. Just because the revelation was there, but I didn't see the great power. There's there power. And I think all those elites are operating in some level of power. Even the, the special, the, the second group, the 30 group, they're operating in power. But it's not the power level that the Moseses and the Elijahs and the... That's just, that's just out there. So that was... Who was the other one? Gideon. Gideon was probably at the level of elite for a day. For a day. He did not get, I don't, I don't see him getting to the 30. I don't see him getting to the three. He didn't have anything near the power for the three. He doesn't have any revelation going on. And what little revelation God is trying to spoon feed him, he's resisting. Uh, I would probably put him into the elite because I don't think he could do what he did even for a day in the intermediate level. 
Yeah, you can keep on going. Through. This is actually something I wanted to do. I'm glad you, you did this because I wanted to throw, have you all throw out some names and let's just try and, try and pace them. It's just it's fun because it gets your mind thinking. What kind of hang-ups did they have? What kind of stuff did they, did they hold back on? So uh, it was Esther. Esther, um, I don't think she ever made a leap. I don't think she ever made it. I think she was still stuck in the intermediate level. Oh, yes. Um, she did some great things. In the, but you really don't have too many hang-ups. So, so some people are just not given a whole lot of detail, so it's just tough to, to place them in there. Uh, definitely, I would say elite. Uh, De- Deborah. I definitely have to say that she's in the, uh, at least the elite area. I don't know that she ever really walked in any kind of high revelation area to... To go, that just seems to be the thing that that distinguished that other group is the things that all right, they're at a level now where God identified them at that level and spoke revelation that no one else had. They were able to to um, contain that, hold that, and I just didn't see her. I mean, elite is a good good level for some of us folks. If we get to elite, <laughs> glory <laughs> to God. <laughs> this is the this is not a bad place to be. I mean, again, you. 300 out of how many hundreds of thousands, 300 got to this level. That's it. Mary. Uh, no, no real revelation and no power at all. Um, had some hang-ups later on in, in life, I think. Uh, I would not put her in the elite group, but she did have faith to believe. But I, don't, I wouldn't put her in the... Me personally, I would not put her in the elite group. I totally respect her. I mean, she's got she's ahead and to, to do what what she did after hearing what she, the angel said. Yeah. Man, that is that is something else. Yeah. Micaiah, I had him. I was thinking about where would I put it, and I got distracted on something. And I forgot to to put him in there. Uh, no, we need more on him. Is what I was thinking because. He was a prophet, and obviously he had done a lot of other things. But we're never told what those prophecies were, because he had a name of being a prophet. But we're not told what the prophets were. So either the revelation was not rich enough to make the word, or I, I, I don't know why the other prophecies weren't in the, in the word of God. He gets the one revelation, I mean, effortlessly. Can you imagine just getting a revelation from God? seeing heaven and see, see the scene that he sees in heaven people still struggle with today he saw that scene had no trouble with it and uttered it as uh, as factual and then very boldly proclaimed if you come back i'm a false prophet that's a hard thing to say and he uh held up under a lot of abuse and and uh and things of that nature i would say and it's not based on anything factual. It's just based on the fact of where others saw him. I'd say he's elite. Micaiah. Because of the way the king saw him. And he had obviously said a lot of things that the king didn't like. And was still bold about it. And he was not easily distracted from that. God gave him something. He was going to come out there and say it. Solomon, there's another one that says, depending upon what part of his, his life that you would 
you would do. Solomon had some revelation. I wouldn't call it phenomenal or great, but it was good revelation. I mean, Proverbs is still a book that a lot of people enjoy, but there's not a whole lot of futuristic prophecy prophecy type of stuff about it. It's good wisdom. Uh, I don't think wisdom gets you into the elite group. Uh, A lot of people operate in wisdom. That's... Uh, if he would have held held true to it, I think he would have gone a whole lot further, but I'm not sure I can even put him in the elite group. Me, myself, I just... I, and the way he went down, and he took the whole country down with him. That really kind of hinders me from putting him in that group. Because of what he did, the nation was divided. That wasn't good either. Well, you can be a prophet and not be in the elite level. Uh, but if you're going to proclaim a, to, towards a king that's not going to receive your prophecy real well, I think you pretty much have to be at least in the elite level. Otherwise, you're not speaking. And God's not going to give it to somebody who's not going to say anything. You've got to be able to, to speak. So yeah, that's, a, that's probably a good criteria right there. If they are a prophet who's speaking against a king and a nation, the things that they're doing... Yeah, I think you pretty much have to be in that elite level. I don't think you can do it from the intermediate. I think you'd be too distracted. You're not going to stay on point. You got, you got to have that special forces mentality to be one of those prophets. Really <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, even the intermediate, they're not that easily offended at that level. You, you've got some resistance to it, but you need a lot more than... You need a lot more. A lot more than just... And the selfishness needs to be completely... Uh, I mean, it has to go because it's too easy to look at yourself. You know, Jeremiah even had a little bit of selfishness come in. He said, the pain of giving it out was greater than the pain of keeping it in. So I just shut up my mouth and I didn't proclaim the word of the Lord anymore. Why? Because it's uncomfortable for me. Well, that's slipping back into a little bit of selfishness right there. Now, he got out of it. But for a little while, he gave in to the, to the selfishness that was there. Now, I can't judge him for that. Or I mean, the, the pressure he was under, we haven't even come close to that kind of pressure. I have no idea how I would respond under that kind of pressure. I may not even get to half his level under that kind of pressure that he had. But uh, he got out of it and, uh, and, and went on. And that's the good thing about God. You can, you can have a falling away and you can still be restored. That's Jonah. Good, good call. Mm. Can you see the mentality that we're, we're talking about, how it differs from, from one to another? And what Paul is talking about, uh, that there's something here to be achieved. There's something to, here to be striven for. And if we're not mindful of it, we're, we're not going to. If we keep being bothered by uh, little things that people are doing and uh, little offenses and, and stuff like that, and, and we can't stay on point, we can't stay doing the thing, we're not going to take a, a greater greater job. Like I told you before, you know, the SEAL teams, what is there, seven or 11 SEAL teams? But six is the one that gets the big assignments. And you don't start off on SEAL Team 6. You start off on SEAL Team 1 or 2 or 3 or whatever it might be. And as you show your level of dedication, your ability to focus, your ability to stay alive, you have to, there's a certain amount of strength 
and skill that you have to be able to go on those missions and come back alive. And so your ability to, to do that will get you to move up onto the bigger assignments. But that's what they strive for. I mean, those guys in the SEALs, they want SEAL Team 6. As far as I know, Christian used to tell us, they, they all want SEAL Team 6. They want the toughest assignments. They want the baddest team. <laughs> they want to be on that team. They, and, and they want to go. When the assignment comes down, they're look, send us. Send us. We're ready to go. And, I mean, can you imagine wanting to go into a situation where people are going to throw real grenades and live bullets On a, they're trying to kill you and you willingly go into that with a mentality that I can win. We can, that's just, it's different, so different from what Christians do and how we, we go after the, the battles of the, the enemy. Boy, we've got to change this. We've got to get serious. So, have some fun with it. Be pulling out some characters from the Bible and seeing. You, we don't have enough on all of them to be able to, to place them in places, but oh, I'll tell you what, we can, we can sure do. And you know, you, like I said, you may look at this list and say, "Wait a minute, I think this one ought to be," and that's that's fine. Um, I just I did a lot of meditating on this thing, trying to figure it out. And to, to me, the highest level is the power level, and the second highest level is that revelation level. That's that to me, from all that I've seen in the thing, that that really seems to be the. The, the differentiation. And it, to be at that, that 30, <laughs> I mean, how many people got to that level? That's, that's an astounding level. Daniel really never had any of the power of God that we saw working through him outside of going, being thrown in lion's den and coming out alive. Or his buddies being thrown into the fiery pit and coming out alive. Most of the time, we don't really see a whole lot of the power of God demonstrated around them. But, boy, we saw the revelation. What's that? Yeah, he took a stand, but there was no supernatural power. I mean, you just, you just don't see that part of it going on. And it just seems like when, when they hit a certain level, God put that power or God put that revelation on them. And so it's more God saying, you are at this level. And I can trust you with this. I can put this on you. But up until then, he, it's not something that they could do. Hmm. All right. Well, hope you had some fun with this. I know I did just mulling over it and meditating on it, and I'll probably still keep doing some more. But thanks for hanging around. I think we went a little bit longer here.